have you ever been in a spot um, or often um, that, that you just find yourself saying, I just really need Jesus? I mean, like that profound, like, man, I just really need Jesus. Or, man, if Jesus doesn't show up, this is going to be a rough gig. So I feel right now. Um, if Jesus doesn't show up, or man, I just really need Jesus, and, um, or man, I just that—that's the feeling. I think a bunch of us feel coming to church. You know, like man, I just really need something other than the thing that I already have, or I, I just have to experience something different. I need, I need just just a little bit of hope or, or, or just a, a, a glimpse into something else. I just really need Jesus. And um, I, I find that I come to church for something other. Um, I come to church to feel the presence of God. I come to church to be with my family. Um, and the more I think about it, I, I come to church to, um, to be served. Um, and it should be like that because it's called a church service and services are supposed to serve. And who are they serving? It isn't God, it's you and it's me. And, and, and God invites us into this place to be served. This is a service for our hearts. Um, this is to pull back the veil of how things are and it's to say, I want to show you what actually is happening, and and Jesus is on the throne. And if Jesus is on the throne, this is this is all different. Because there's something really, really beautiful and bold and hopeful and powerful about if Jesus is in control and if everything he said is true, this is a whole different ballgame. I love that. There's something about a church service, it's like the hospitality of God. And I don't think that's often talked about, like God's hospitality. But I find myself craving it as if God had a house and if God had been a father and if God took care of us, that would almost be like the hospitality of God, right? And then I started thinking about, man, I just crave to be taken care of by Jesus and I want to be in his house. And as I journey through this experience of just the desires of my heart and the things I, I, I desire from him, it's just like, it is like Psalm 23. And if, I mean like, Psalm 23 is like this iconic passage that I, I think people from century to century have clung on to for, for hope. I heard Psalm 23 for the first time growing up, probably at the age of four in an apartment of my great grandma um, that, that, that I called Big Grandma. And I called her Big Grandma because at that age, saying Great Grandma had been hard, but it kind of flip-flopped because I can say Great Grandma, but Big Grandma is harder now. And so I called her Big Grandma and, and she, Every time I would see her, she, she would say Psalm 23, and then I'd have to say it 
after her and at the same time, and it was kind of her thing as if I, if I understood Psalm 23, I understood all things biblical. I think she was right. Because I think that's what a b- bunch of us crave and we hunger is this, this thing that Psalm 23 personifies. And it is the hospitality of God. Here it is. And I um, say it as a congregation and see it through the eyes of hospitality. Okay, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, like some of us just hearing that, we just want to just close our eyes. It's like it takes us to this place of saying, yes, I want that. I don't, I don't, I I want to be in this place that I don't have to desire anything. I I want to be in this place that I'm not hungry or thirsty. I want to be in this place that there's a clear path. I want to be in this place of comfort and to have the confidence of surely I'll be in this house forever. I desire that deeply. Our church is doing this sermon series on, on hospitality. And, and I believe, and I have like this heartbeat um, for these hospitable passages. And I have a heartbeat for the house of God. And I have a heartbeat for, for um, the heart of God for his kids. And if I'm going to begin doing this sermon series on hospitality, first of all, I have to talk about Psalm 23. And then second of all, I have to talk about the best passage in the Bible about hospitality or the opposite of hospitality. It could be either or. It's all perspective, right? The Bible is all about perspective. And so to kind of um, set it up... um, I believe the best passage um, about talking about hospitality in the Bible, um, it is um, talking about the birth of Jesus. And um, so, um, and how it happened and the place that it happened and kind of the context that it all happened in. So here it is. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a major because there was no guest room available for them. 
Okay, so this passage is typically talked about on Christmas Eve. First of all, I love Christmas. Just a tidbit. Um, But it's typically only talked about on Christmas Eve or if I'm doing a sermon on hospitality because I believe this is one of the best passages on biblical hospitality ever and hypocrisy of people. Okay, and here's how I'm going to set this up. There are a couple of people in this passage that are, are profoundly important. Who are they? It's the parents of Jesus. Or how about we just say the parents of God, okay? Like God is about to be born on earth, and there are his parents. Uh, their names are Joseph and Mary. And who are they? Um, first of all, the passage says that Joseph, he is of the line of David, and he is coming home because there's a census, so people are being counted. And so everyone has to go home to the place of their origin. Uh, so the city of David is Bethlehem. David, who is the author of Psalm 23, um, he was a brilliant king. Every, everybody in the Hebraic faith points to King David as being awesome, right? They love him. And the hope is coming from David. And the fact that Joseph is of the line of David is an actually, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Joseph is a big deal. People always, you know, tend to focus on him being a carpenter, being poor. They should be focusing on him as being of the line of David. Big deal. Also, who is he betrothed to? Mary. And I tossed a term out there, betrothed, right? These two didn't pick each other. They were betrothed. Their parents set this up. Why? Who was Mary? She was of the priest's tribe. She also was a big deal. She, she was full of prosperity and hope. She in, in the society of Judaism was at the top of the totem pole. Um, and so she is this person who's at the top of the totem pole. And then furthermore, you have Joseph, who is of the line of David, he's at the top of the totem pole. And then their parents, of course, there's something special here. Let's put these two together. They are betrothed to be together. This is important. And then, of course, how things go, she gets pregnant. He, you know, things happen. He has a dream, God tells them. And so they are going to Bethlehem together. So it's important to know who these people are as this is taking place. So you have Joseph and you have Mary who are pregnant with God. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would be like to be pregnant with God? (laughs) There are those times that I say, man, I really need Jesus, that I feel like I am. Anyway, can you imagine what it would be like to be pregnant with God? And they are coming to Joseph's home, the town of Bethlehem, the town of David. He is a high profile powerhouse and so is she. 
Jewish hospitality is rock and roll, right? They are amazing at hospitality. They are all related to each other in towns, right? And so if someone comes home, there are parties and celebrations. There are big things happening. And Joseph, who is the line of David, and Mary, who's of the priestly tribe, these two who have been betrothed forever are pregnant and coming home. They're not married yet. And so they're going home and all their family is there and none of them allow them to stay at their house. Why? I mean, like, like here are these high profile powerhouses of people and they're going home. And they're probably going door to door to their families. Can I stay here? Can our baby be born here? No, no, no. Because who you show hospitality to in the Hebrew culture shows who you are as a person. So if you show hospitality to somebody of of honor, that honors you. But if you show hospitality to someone who doesn't hold honor, that doesn't honor you. And so they are going door to door, basically saying, can God be born in your house? No, there's no room here. There's no room here. I mean, imagine like, man, I'm sorry if this is like too out there or too poetic, but I mean, like, what would it be like to have the opportunity for God to be born in your house? And they gave birth to God in a stable or a cave or I don't, everyone talks about it, I don't don't care. The thing is, people had the opportunity, many people had the opportunity for God to be born inside of their house, the Messiah to be born inside of their house. And the only thing that they saw was a pregnant teenager who hadn't been married. No. No. No space, no room. Like, I always, it's possibly empathy, um, but man, I, I am sad. It makes me sad for the people who could have had this brilliant experience of the presence of God being born and the shepherds would come to their house and like the angels would sing over their house, but they didn't. They missed it. They missed God being born in their house because of their pride and because of the things they saw on the outside. There was this couple pregnant with God and all they could see was sin. And they said, there's no room. And I have to think, like, there are so, there are times that I've had the same posture towards people, and I am really sorry. There's this Hebraic idea of creating space or or making space for people um, that goes beyond hospitality. Like, so the 
Jewish people say that God is so whole and God is so full and that um, the presence of God before the earth had been so encompassing that to create the earth, he had to create space for it because he was so consuming. That, that there's this Jewish thought that God himself had to breathe in to create space for creation. And then the exhale of the breathing in was the things that he spoke into creation for them to be. And in that, in him being hospitable and creating space, he then gave an environment for creation to grow and opportunity to happen. Because hospitality in the Jewish culture is all about the opportunity to see what God will do. It all goes back to this creation point of creating space and inviting people into this space. And it seems as if Jesus had been obsessed as far as hospitality goes. And I've heard sermons on hospitality before and how, how Jesus had been hospitable and, and how Jesus is a perfect host. I don't see it. <laughs> like, I, I really don't see it. Like, for instance, uh, the story of Zacchaeus, right? The story of Zacchaeus. Whenever talking about Christian hospitality, I've often heard, you know, people will talk about the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus showed hospitality and and. Things like that. So here it is. So help. So as a congregation, help me out here. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short and could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. All right. Put this in context again of Jesus's parents, because this is important. Jesus's parents, the doors were continually shut to them because of the experience that they had and because of what people saw on the outside. And hospitality in Judaism is who, who I show hospitality to is who I am. And so if I show hospitality to the outcast, then I am an outcast. And if I show hospitality to the upper class, then I am upper class. And furthermore, people who, who have the ability to show hospitality to somebody of great stature, it's, it's rare. It just doesn't happen. And so in this story that people typically say is about Christian hospitality and how Jesus is a great host because he ate with sinners, right? People at the end of this passage are complaining about Jesus. It's like, how dare he eat? I don't care about that. What I care about is the hospitality part of it. Here is this tax 
collector, right? Who's, who's, uh, who, who people hate, that they hate. And so, um, and, and so he climbs up this tree to see who Jesus is. And then Jesus comes and, and sees Zacchaeus in a tree. And the thing he doesn't say is, Zacchaeus, I am dying to have you over. I want to prepare food for you. You can spend the night. I want to show you hospitality, God's house. No, he does the opposite. He points at him and says, get down from that tree. I am coming over to your house to stay. It's like the opposite of hospitality, right? It's like, I'm inviting my house over. I'm, I'm coming over to your house and I'm going to stay the night and you're going to feed me. Right? This is a different culture because for Jesus to do that, for Jesus to give the opportunity for someone such as Zacchaeus to show hospitality to God, it was an honor because all of us are dying for God to come into our house. Right? Like, like the opportunity to show hospitality to someone who is esteemed. And who is Jesus inviting himself over to his house? It is like this guy who everyone hates. Can I be with you? And Zacchaeus freaks out and is like, yes. And so he comes over to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus not only feeds him and Jesus stays there, is he is giving Jesus everything he had. Because that's the response when God enters your house. This is when, when Jesus gives you the opportunity for hospitality, it is brilliant and it elevates. I don't want to miss it. I, I, I'm like, this, I don't want to miss it. If someone comes knocking at my door saying, can God be born at your house? Yes. Like, I mean, come on. And Jesus made it as clear as day. I'm coming to your house. I'm staying there. If Jesus said that to me, you betcha. You betcha. There are so many people he said that to that says there's no room. I'm sorry, there's no room. But the tax collector had room. Or think about the other passage that's typically talked about in Christian hospitality, which is really perplexing to me. It's, it's the story of the perfume, um, the alabaster jar. It's the story of um, the, the, the sinful person um, who's there in the Pharisee's house. Here it is. So as a congregation, let's do this together. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume as she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. All right, not her house. It's the house of a Pharisee. And this passage 
it, it personifies her as being a sinful person. Like, this is like her identity. And the place she doesn't belong is a Pharisee's house, right? Like, some of us are afraid to go to church because of who people personify us as. You know, some of us are like hold our titles or the things that we have done over our heads and we say, we don't belong here. They're like, this is the obstacles that this woman overcame. She heard that Jesus was at a Pharisee's house. I mean, how did that go? Did she show up at their door? And not like they all know her. And she brings this alabaster jar of perfume. I don't even, is that like ceramic or glass? I don't know, alabaster. It's alabaster. It's alabaster jar of perfume. And she, she breaks it on Jesus' feet and empties it out. And she's crying and drying his feet off by her hair. She's at a Pharisee's house. And this passage is a hospitality passage. The other thing that's very interesting about it is that it's not Jesus serving her, it's she's serving Jesus, correct? And he just sits back and like goes, yes, right? Yes, thank you. This is often talked about as a hospitality passage, but why? He sits back as this, this sinful person is breaking perfume on his feet and crying over his feet and drying them with her hair. Again, it's the opportunity, and she took it because this is how the passage ends. Help me out here. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. In this passage, you see, um, you see the sinful person in a Pharisee's house who overcame the obstacle. First of all, it's not her house. And she comes in this spot and almost sees that hospitality of his kingship has not been owned. Right? It's not been owned. Like, it's kind of almost like she's saying, do you not see who he is? I see who he is. And she shows hospitality to him that he's calling out to Simon saying, here's what she did, but you didn't do, and it's your house. You invited me into your house and you didn't do this and you didn't do this and you didn't do this and you didn't do this. But it's not even her house. And she called it out and she showed me hospitality and she honored herself. And she brought forgiveness. Like, it is a beautiful story of opportunity. The thing is, is that Jesus gives the opportunity for hospitality just like his parents did. 
And I love that. Like his parents gave opportunity to the whole city of Bethlehem to God being born in their house. And they said, there's no room. I mean, like, I'm sorry. Like, that's insane to me. But God breathes in. He humbles himself. And then he gives people the opportunity to house him. I'm coming to your house. Can I sleep at, sleep at your house tonight? Can you feed me tonight? And people say yes. He sits back and says, who sees me? Who will pour perfume on my feet? And who does? The sinful woman. The Pharisee didn't see it, but she did. She embraced this idea of hospitality. What is beautiful is truly, there's this story that is playing out every day in culture of people who you don't even know. And people in this room, poetically speaking, who are pregnant with God, pregnant with hope, desperate for the gospel, people who just want life. And they are going door to door. And the proverbial question that is being asked by the Holy Spirit is, can God be born in this house? The church should say, heck yes, every time. Yes, 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 yes. God can be born here. God can be born here. May we never say no. May hospitality be our, like, our bag. It's what we do because we crave it. We desire to be in the house of the Lord. Yeah. The, thing about, the thing about Psalm 23 that I, I just love is people say Psalm 23 had been composed by King David during the time he was very old. He was old and he was thinking about who he had been and who God had been and the story that God had taken him through. The funny thing was, is like the title of good shepherd, that was his title. He was a shepherd boy who became king. He was a shepherd boy who was anointed king. The term anointed means good. Like it's this separation, holy, uh, they don't have to go there. The good shepherd, the anointed shepherd, the king shepherd. This was beautiful. And by the end, as David is old, accounting for all things of who him and God had been and, and the things that, that David was celebrated for being, he saw that at the table that was set before him. And people say he's talking about the battle of Goliath at that moment when there was a table set for him to take his identity, take his purpose, take his kingdom in front of the Philistine army. This table has been set for you. He said, in that moment, God gave me his title and he took mine. And because he saw that God throughout his whole journey was the good shepherd. That although David thought he had to create the table, he had to show hospitality, he had to take his kingdom through, through these different paths of hardship and feed and provide. He saw that 
whatever he thought he was doing for everybody else, God was doing for him. And surely may I be in the house of the Lord forever. And that's how he ends it. It's like this, this ball goes off in his head and he's like, oh, I get it. You have been taking care of me all along. The truth of the character of Jesus and the character of God, it doesn't ever change. He knocks and he says, can I come in? Can I be here? Can you show me hospitality? It's like the Zacchaeus thing, I'm coming to your house. And for some of us, you know, like he's like, I'll just hang out here. Others, he will kick down the door. Others, he'll just, you know, like he'll just keep knocking. Like the Bible basically ends by this passage of him saying the same thing. Here it is. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's inviting you over to his house just like his parents did. Can I come in? May we say yes, yes, yes. This is the beginning of our sermon series on hospitality, and it's a whole lot different than I ever expected it to be because God is the king of hospitality. So, oh Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your heart. And we thank you that you are an active God. We thank you that you create places for us to come and sit. You create places for us to open the door. That you create spaces for us to be honored by those who, 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 who come to our house, who sit at our table. Who, God, we thank you that you inspire us to be people of hospitality and that you are knocking. Jesus, we need you. We need you in our homes. We need you in our hearts. And there are many of us here who have often said, there's just no room. May we breathe in and create space for you to dwell. May we say yes to you so many times. We love when you come over. We love preparing spaces for you. We love what you do. Oh, Jesus, King of Kings, we are sorry for the times that there has been no space for you. There are some of us here who, who have perpetually said, it's not the right time, please come back. There's no space right now, please come back. And you are here because you are in this space of you just need Jesus now. And that is a really beautiful place to be in. For those of you who have never put your trust, your hope, your dreams in Jesus.
he is standing right in front of you with his hands on your face saying, can I come in? Can I dwell in your heart? Is there space for me? And if you are in the space that you are screaming yes, because you really need him, good for you. Please pray along. Jesus, come into my house. Come into my heart. Dwell here. I want to put my full trust in you. Forgive me and teach me how to fully live. Make your home here. Teach me how to do the things that you do. In Jesus' name. For those of us who have forgotten that Jesus is in your house, because you have been too busy. And there's been no space. What is Jesus saying to you? For those of us who have had people come to our door and the only thing that you have seen are sinners or the outcasts or people you don't want to associate around, but now you see the face of Jesus. May you see and have the courage to invite them in and ask, can God be born in this place? For all of us, may the journey of hospitality, the opportunity of hospitality, create a pregnant hope of the gospel, a pregnant hope of opportunity, because truly, when Jesus knocks on your door, opportunity abounds for something that we are all hungry for.